0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Climbing the Ivy on the fan side of network. This is your host, Alex Pat, alongside Adam McGinnis. Camp is about to start this week. The 60-man rosters are out, including the Cubs. talk all about that, about some questions going into camp, and maybe a few other things along the way. So stick around. We have a real good show for you tonight. Adam, how you doing? Great. Good to hear. All right, so... Where to begin? I think we should start with the roster. So, camp is going to start at Wrigley Field this week, this Friday. Players are getting into Chicago. We've seen their posts on Instagram and Twitter, Facebook, all those little places. So, reporting is officially going to happen. And it feels kind of strange. I mean, outside the fact that we're reporting for spring training, quotes around that 2.0, at basically the 4th of July, but it's just weird knowing that the rosters are built very differently, not only just going into camp, but when the season starts. So there's going to be a lot of different types of evaluating going on because you're going to have to start a bigger roster than normal, and you kind of have to decide on the fringe guys slash prospects here. So there's a lot to talk about.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's... uh it's going to be a little different, but it is what it is. The roster, I don't think there's really anything too surprising about it. It looks pretty much exactly as we would have expected it to, given the circumstances.
0: So let's go over the roster itself. Now, when they released it, there are 10 slots still open. So there could be some changes as time goes on, but um, they're all reporting. That's another big thing because it is important to know that some players are not going to be reporting that they're taking this year off because of concerns. And, you know, I totally respect that. That's fine. It's a very uncertain time and people have families that may be more at risk of severe reactions to COVID if they, God forbid, get them. So totally understand. We've seen guys like Ryan Zimmerman, Ian Desmond, among others which, you know, again, I don't blame them, but it looks yeah. like right now all the Cubs are going to be reporting, at least all the key ones.
1: Yeah, not really. I I would be surprised if we see more than a handful of big names throughout the league opt out. I don't think that's going to happen. I think for the most part, the the superstars, the elite guys, I don't think you're going to see very many of them, if, if any of them at all, opt out. Uh, just because, you know... It's, as bad as it sounds, I I think that, you know, you will have to, you may take some flack from your teammates. I mean, it's, even in this condensed season, people still want to win, and so I I think it's going to factor into it, you know, having to explain to your guys that you're not going to play with them, even though it's, you know, understandable circumstances why you wouldn't, but... I again, I I would be surprised if we see superstars opt out.
0: Yeah, we'll see kind of how things progress, because we're seeing some spikes in some areas. And if some areas where some teams are see more of that happening, then maybe they'll say, you know what? I'm going to back out of this. I have a wife. I have young kids. I have parents, grandparents that I see a lot that are susceptible to this thing Mm -hmm. being severe And we noticed, too, that some of the older coaches are sitting out. And boy, I can't blame them one bit for sitting out. I mean, they're the ones that are really at risk here uh, to this virus, the ones that are 60 and older. And we mentioned Dusty Baker before, but you have some of the base coaches as well. I believe Ron Washington was one of those people, or at least he wasn't opting out, but he was kind of talking about how careful he was going to be with everything and MLB is trying to implement some rules where they're having as little contact as possible so you're probably going to see base coaches operate pretty differently this year I would imagine
1: yeah I would think so obviously yeah that that older age group has got to be a little bit more careful It's, it's obviously a higher risk for them than these athletes Uh, You know, as far as the athletes themselves, unless they have underlying conditions, the odds are that if they got it, it wouldn't be much of a big deal at all. The scare is spreading it around. Uh, Even in states where there's spikes right now, if you look at the numbers, you see that a lot of the uh, most of the new cases are fairly young people. Uh, And one other thing to consider, too, in the spikes is that they're also they're counting people who have gotten antibody tests. And have shown to have had it the the coronavirus in the past. They are counting those as new cases too, which you know I obviously I could see why they would do that. But it also is just a, a little bit misleading too because it sort of uh, inflates the numbers a little bit as to how many current cases are going around. But yeah, it's it it makes sense to me that that coaches or more coaches are going to be opting out. I mean that that just. Seems like common sense, I guess.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And we did hear people talk to Anthony Rizzo and John Lester. And by that, I mean, like the Cubs staff. And I believe it was David Ross talking about it. But, you know, they're going to be playing. And they're two important guys to look at because, you know, they were cancer survivors. So cancer survivors and the virus, there's obviously a bit Mm -hmm. more of a concern there with those types of people. Uh, So right now they're going to go for it and they're going to try to be as safe as possible. And I was looking at John Lester thinking, you know, if there's a guy on the Cubs, I would really not be surprised uh, opting out this season because he didn't feel comfortable. It would be a guy like John Lester just, you know, because of what he's gone through. But, you know, so far it looks like he's, he's going to be there.
1: I tell you, this is going to be a season where, uh, the veteran guys on the team and the authority on the team are going to have to really, really step up in the leadership department. Uh, that's not to say that anyone on the team you know, is immature or anything like that, but you know, the reality of the situation is you've got a lot of young guys in their 20s and 30s. Uh, you're traveling around, and it's, when you're in that position, it's going to be tough to, to not want to go out and do some stuff. And so you're, you're going to have to have guys like David Ross and John Lester, the leaders on the team, saying, hey, you you got to just hunker down when we're not playing baseball, stay safe, don't take any risks. Yeah, I, That's going to be really important that they stress that to these guys.
0: Well, yeah, and I think it's important to really stress that, hey, you have guys on this team that might either be directly more in danger to the virus or have family members. That might right. have, you, that's, you know, you got to really be considerate yeah,
1: here. That's that's exactly the biggest thing to think about is, is others. I mean, and, and that goes back to the mask thing, too. You know, a lot of people kicking and screaming on the mask thing. And something that a lot of people fail to consider is that the mask is less about protecting yourself and more about protecting others. Right. Uh, and, you know, you, you can apply that to to what's going to happen in baseball here too is the guys have to consider that you know if they're taking unnecessary risks going out doing stuff you know you're you're endangering other people That's you don't have just yourself to consider here
0: yeah and I like to think that most of these big guys on the Cubs are pretty well rounded in the head where they wouldn't do anything too outlandish or too risky I think they I like to think that these guys understand the situation. They're smart enough to realize that, hey, this is still a big problem that's happening right now. And we know we don't want to spread it to our other teammates. Right. People know about Anthony Rizzo being a cancer survivor. Same with John Lester. They know that Chris Bryant has a newborn. You know, they they're they're aware of this. And while I think it is very important, like you said, for some of the teammates to really be leaders in that department. I like to think and hope that most of these guys understand the situation. And I believe you Darvish is kind of one of those people who's like, you know, there are concerns I'm coming back, but there are definitely concerns. Um, He actually just posted on Twitter that he's back in Chicago, but you know, this seems like a well-rounded group of guys and not too rowdy too party. I mean, I don't know for sure. I'm not behind the scenes, but I think that they have a good enough culture and understanding of each other to really be careful. Yeah. They they know that this I think is a so big too. Deal. I think yeah. so too, but I think the point still needs to be made. Oh no question. As, at least as a precaution. Absolutely. And it's something that every team, in my opinion, every sports team that plays, baseball or any other sport that plays moving forward every team in every league should be required to do extensive meetings about covid about how it could be spread how to keep yourself safe right it's just important information that everyone has to have especially I mean, when you're in one locker room
1: it's it's easy for us for you and me to sit here in our houses uh, with with you know no traveling obligations like these guys are going to have. It's easy for us to sit here and say, "Yeah, you know, just stay hunkered down when you can." But, I mean, to be honest, that would be hard. Being, yeah, sure. Being in your twenties, thirties, and and traveling around to these cities where there's all sorts of fun stuff to do, and things are kind of starting to open back up a little bit, it would be really hard to resist that temptation to go do some stuff. I mean, that's, I'm yeah. I'm not I'm not going to pretend like uh, I'm not
0: going to sit here and say that that would be the easiest thing in the world to do. It would be hard. It'd be very hard. Absolutely. And I think that it could be really tempting for some of the young rookies. You know, they're still single or just dating where,
1: yeah, if you have
0: like a family, that's a little different. But yeah, yeah, there's plenty of that on each team. And and those are probably the guys that need to hear it the most, I would think. Yes, I completely agree. Completely agree. So let's look at the roster. As you said, not a whole lot of surprises here. I think what a lot of people were looking to see was what pitchers are going to make the roster, at least this initial roster, and who was going to be in the camp at South Bend, the alternate camp roster. And you look at the alternate camp roster and you see some of their bigger prospects. You see Albert Azale, you see Braylon Marquez, you see Miguel Amaya. And Brennan Davis, that's another big one, too. A lot of people are wondering, you know, where's Brennan Davis going to be? A lot of people would like to see him. And I think a lot of people would like to see Albert Azalea, too. And then you have potential other guys like Braylon Marquez or Dakota Meckes, who you say, you know, maybe they could help you this season in some form. And then you have a prospect like Miguel Amaya, who is still a ways away from the majors. And then you have Robel Garcia and a few other guys, but South bend is really where you see the prospects that are right on the fringe of the majors or have some major league experience. i.e., Albert Alzelay, you know, they're, they're there. That's, yeah. that's kind of yeah. where that group is.
1: Yeah, that's, I, there, there wasn't anything in the pitchers list that stood out to me at all. Uh, Really, on the list as a whole, the only thing that that sort of caught my eye is just that Jason Kipnis is not on the 40-man roster, which isn't that surprising, but as far as the roster announcement goes, that's really the only thing that caught my eye.
0: So position players, while you're on that topic of conversation, yeah, him and Ian Miller are the only two non-catchers that are – position players that are not on the 40-man. Now, you have two catchers that are not on the 40-man, but Josh Fegley is really the only guy that could potentially make the roster at some point this season. I don't think they're going to carry three catchers when the season starts. But Mm,
1: I wouldn't think so either, yeah.
0: But we know that if something happens to either Wilson or Caratini, he's the next guy up. It's not going to be Miguel Amaya. He's Not ready yet, in my opinion. You have a guy named P.J. Higgins. Don't really know much about him. Josh Fegley's been in the majors for several years now. He's the veteran. He has the experience, so he'd be the guy next in line. Um, But I look at the rest, the infielders and outfielders, you say, all these guys pretty much expected. I believe in my opinion that ian miller has a great shot at making the roster he's a speedy guy he's probably going to be their final outfielder and you want to pinch run for him later use him in that glorious extra inning pinch runner at second to start there's your guy right there and i think jason kipnis is probably going to make this roster and this is where some of the questions come in nico horner you know, when we were going into the regular season, as it was before everything got canceled, we were wondering, is Nico Horner going to make the roster, or is he going to stay down a little bit for some more seasoning? At this point, I'd be shocked if Nico Horner doesn't make the opening day roster.
1: Yeah, I, I think that uh, if if this was a normal season, everything was normal, then I I'd, I would have expected Nico Horner to start in the minors. Uh, but the way things are going to go this year, I, I'm not surprised that he's that he's on the roster either. I, I think that he will be on the opening day roster too.
0: Yeah, I think you might play some platoon at second because Jason Kipnis, I feel like you have to keep him regardless if he's washed or not. Because yeah. when you have a young guy in Nico Horner that doesn't have a lot of big league experience and you're kind of working out the kinks and you're you're trying to compete, You need to have a guy at the position that you know can play the position itself. Right. We know Jason Kipnis. Even if he's not going to hit a lot, we know he can play the position.
1: Yeah. This. See, it's it's so weird the way it is right now because it's the depth thing is sort of a paradox this year because on the one hand, only playing sixty games. Uh, you would initially believe that depth isn't going to be nearly as important. You know, it, much, much shorter season, so you expect all your primary guys to be able to go just about every single day. But then on the other hand, you've got the coronavirus looming, which at any moment could just wipe out a lot of your team, and then yeah. depth becomes important again. So there's there's this weird sort of contradiction happening. Uh, it's, it's kind of uh, amusing in a weird way.
0: Yeah, it is. It's again, it's a very, very different situation. Something that we have never dealt with before. See, really, you know, it. I'm still not holding my breath that that the baseball season is
1: actually going to happen, because it, it still just seems like at any moment this could all implode. Like it's yeah. it's really all just completely hanging on by a thread. We're just one incident
0: away from this whole thing collapsing. No, I, I hear you. Frankly, there's a big part of me that thinks that's very possible. I just wonder if we can even get through camp without things imploding. You know, all these players are together again for the first time in months. I mean, it's, it just seems
1: inevitable that something's going to happen. I mean, you're not going to get, you know, across the league, these hundreds and hundreds of guys all together. What are the odds that, that all of them are clean? It just, it seems unrealistic to think that way. And, you know, all it takes is one guy having been around other guys, and then all of a sudden you've got to shut a whole facility down, sterilize, everybody needs testing. I mean, it's, I I think that it's really close to being a disaster. At any moment, the whole thing could just
0: completely go under. I mean, this season feels like, it's just an attempt. It's just to let's try to do something. It's not, hey, we know we're going to get through this season. We know we're going to play all through it. It's merely just an attempt to try to get some baseball in. And I yeah. think everybody knows that there is a possibility that they might not get through this. And at what cost,
1: To I mean, yeah part as much as as much as i've hated not having baseball around and as much as i was excited to see that it's going to be coming back in some capacity part of me also felt too like maybe the best thing to do in, in not just in baseball but in basketball too is just just shut it down this year just cut your losses shut it down for a year so we can come back next year and, and be back to Sort of normal-ish, but it, it just sort of feels like we're we're forcing this a little prematurely, maybe, uh, and, and maybe that's an unpopular opinion. I, I mean, don't it's, think
0: it's that unpopular. I think a lot of people feel you on that.
1: I mean, it, in some ways, it it just feels like we're we're sort of halting the progress that we need to be making on the COVID nineteen front by prematurely getting sports back out there. Uh, and it's that it creates some other problems, too. Uh, and, you know, th- I mean, this this affects bars, too. But by having baseball and televising baseball, uh, you're sort of encouraging social gatherings in a way. Yeah. Uh, and I'd like to believe that people are rational and mature enough to stay uh, home, at home. But I know that that's absolutely 100 percent not the case. If people can go and watch games at bars huddled together, they absolutely will, whether there's a risk factor there or not. They'll do it if they can, if they're allowed to.
0: I'll tell you Uh, what, man. I have no desire right now like some people to eat in a bar or restaurant inside. I I have no no desire.
1: Well, I mean, I I, I would love to. I I would absolutely love to to go to a restaurant and eat with my friends and, and watch games and stuff. I would love to do that, but just you know common sense dictates that now is not a good time to do that right and that that's just that's just all there is to it is and it, it's not ideal but it's the way it is and if you want things to get back to normal then you then you got to stay home if you can i mean acting like things are normal again is is not helping it's the coronavirus does not go away just because you go out to spite it that's not how it works i mean and, and this this goes back to people who who don't want things to open up either. I I think that that things can and should open up but in in safe ways too. I mean, and just just because a restaurant is open doesn't mean you have to go. Uh but in some ways I am for, you know, we got to get a little money pumping back into the economy. That's a little getting a little bit off on a tangent there, but
0: well, it's a tough situation right now. There's it's, it's hard to keep things fully shut down for a long time, but, but yeah, absolutely. I mean, you need to do what you got to do to be safe. And, you know, I'm with you going to bars with friends and watching games. It's one of my favorite pastimes. It's things I love to do with my Mm -hmm. friends. But if I was inside a bar right now, during these times, I wouldn't really feel comfortable being in there. And it's,
1: it's pretty scary too. I mean, you, you look all over the place and, and you can see pictures Tons of people crowding bars again, almost none of them wearing masks. Yes. It I just don't understand that. I don't understand how 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 you could be so carefree like that.
0: Well, I mean why would I right now want to go into a small cramped place with a bunch of people, watch a game, knowing that you can't be there. You know, because the ballparks are going to be empty. Yeah. So it's like, if you can't be there, why would it be any safer inside a closed area where a ballpark, at least a lot of them are open spaces? You know, I just right. I wouldn't feel comfortable with that. And I, I think it's pretty obvious to me, there's not going to be crowds at sports games for a while. We've heard the governor of Illinois say, you know, we can allow sporting events up to like 20 percent and then. The mayor of Chicago is like, uh, not so fast. So I don't think Wrigley field is going to have any fans there this year at all. No matter, no matter how much baseball they play, I think it's all gonna be in front of empty parks. And I know here's think an- so. right. And here's another thing too. If baseball has to go down because there are too many cases of COVID, I think you pretty much got to declare sports in 2020 donezo. I mean that's that's the direction I thought it was headed,
1: and I still think that that you know, as far as safety is concerned, that would be for the best. But there, there's other factors to consider too, and, and you know the the bars thing. That's why I say that even even if they don't allow fans in the the stadiums to watch the games in person, uh, in some indirect way, it still sort of encourages social gatherings to some extent. But then that also comes down to just personal responsibility too uh, which we know a lot of people don't have a lot of that and honestly I think one big reason why MLB teams would would decline to let people in to watch the games not just for their own safety but so they don't get sued Mm -hmm. because I guarantee Mm -hmm. you I 100% guarantee you that if somebody decided to go to a baseball game and then got coronavirus that they would sue the organization I promise you that that would happen, even though they decided on their own to buy a ticket and go to the game and they knew the risk. They would still sue the organization if they got infected. I promise you that would happen.
0: Yeah, baseball doesn't want to be responsible for that. Here's another really big thing, a really big factor that if the Cubs play, this is this is very important, in my opinion. You talk about the temptation. That if there's sports, that it kind of says, you know, since there's sports, I want to go to the bar and watch in a public place with a bunch of people. Right. Think about if the Cubs don't get marquee on Comcast and people are going to be even more mo- motivated to go to bars or other places and gather to watch Ooh, the games yeah. because they can't watch them in their own homes. Yeah. Think about that. It's,
1: that, that is a, an interesting point you make. And you know, I, I think public perception of this is largely going to depend on uh, what other businesses are doing, because if you've got if you've got bars and restaurants all over the country that start shutting down again after they've reopened, if they all start closing again, then you start to wonder: well, if all these businesses are closing again, then wh- why are they playing baseball? Mm-hmm. All, all these all these functions are being canceled again. How can you justify playing a game?
0: Yeah, those are all things that are being debated about right now. I mean when you think about it, it if that happens, it's gonna get even worse. so yeah it's 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 a situation, man. it's it i I'm with you all the way it It doesn't feel certain there's part of me that says why are we doing this i'm I'm trying to have a level of excitement that the game I love is coming back but yeah. I'm also trying to be very conscious of what's going on right now. Well, you know, I'm taking the approach of be very very cautious and yeah. act very fast. If there's an outbreak, don't let this drag on. Yeah. Well, and and I mean even if
1: they do get through a whole season you know, there's other factors too on how people look at this. You know, you can say that there is no asterisk, whoever wins it all wins it. And, and some, some coaches in, in professional sports, I know in the NBA, have even said that a championship this season would, would mean even more. But I think that's entirely dependent on how things go in each team. Because here, I mean, here's a hypothetical scenario say the Cubs and the Yankees are in the World Series together but shortly before the series starts, uh, John Carlos Stanton and Garrett Cole and Aaron judge test positive, And so they have to sit out. Of course, you're going to put an asterisk next to that. If the Cubs win, you think you're ever not going to hear from Yankees fans, how they didn't have a bunch of their star players. It's, it's just impossible to escape that.
0: Yeah. It, David Ross had a very interesting quote yesterday. He said, if they're handing out trophies, I want one. So, the way I see it is, if we do get in a situation like that, then the games are just not going to happen.
1: Well, money talks.
0: Yeah, I mean, I know there's protocols for saying, hey, if you're sick, we got to, you know, take care of you in a certain way. So, yeah. The thing, the
1: thing is, I mean, once, once you get into October, you can't, they're not really flexible with scheduling at that point in
0: october no it's it's a different time it just
1: it just is what it is i mean i don't think you know barring unbelievable circumstances i really can't see how they would reschedule any postseason games
0: it would be hard especially in a game like baseball and with every state being different it's hard to say hey Let's go to California. Let's go to Texas. Let's go to Florida and play in warm weather. It's like, well, right. that's where some of the spikes are happening. Do you really want to go down there? Yeah. And speaking of which, you look at the NBA right now. They're trying to figure out everything. Meanwhile, there are these spikes down in Florida because they wanted to play like in Disney World. So they're not even set in stone yet. It's like. Well, and and that, you know, that goes back to the bubble yeah, that, that
1: players are going to have to adhere to the curfews and. And the 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 perimeters that they can't cross, uh, it, it that just comes down to personal responsibility again, I think, because you know it, it's this isn't like traveling with your high school team. These are grown men doing a job, and if they want to go somewhere and do something, then they probably can. There's not yeah. anyone there to say, hey, no, you need to go back to your hotel room. I don't
0: that's I don't think that's how that's gonna work here. Maybe every team just needs to hire a bunch of rockos and keep them in their rooms. Yeah, they need to be locked inside their room
1: and they have to ask permission to leave their room.
0: <laughs> I just want to go to the vending machine. <laughs> no. What do you know? What do you want? We'll bring it up. <laughs> and we'll sanitize it three times. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I I nothing goes better on a Snickers than hand sanitizer.
0: Mmm, yummy, yummy, yummy. I don't know about you. I don't know if you've been to grocery stores lately, but, you know, you go to the grocery store and pretty much any store, you know, you still have the arrows directing you where to go because not only do they social distance you, but they also say, hey, in these aisles, you can only go one way. In these aisles, you can go, only go the other way. Uh-huh. So you got to imagine that public places and places where these... Uh, guys are going to be staying at they're going to be very locked down and they're going to be the quarters of where they're going to be staying at they're not going to let anyone just access those floors or access anywhere and i'm sure i'm sure that
1: you know whatever the situation is they'll try to make it as luxurious as possible but i would think that largely it's going to be boring when they're not playing baseball it's probably going to be kind of boring
0: It's going to be hard. Yeah, it's going to be hard. And think about the young guys that may be joining the roster and they really haven't experienced the big life before and they have to get brought into that light Mm -hmm. where you're pretty much locked down. It's like, oh, I'm a big leaguer now. The world is my oyster. It's like, well, the, the oyster is kind of clamped shut right now. So can't really do much right now. It's, it's going to be very different mentally on so many people. Um, you know, you look at the roster right now, and you say, you know, some of these young guys come up. They're coming up under very different circumstances, and development is pretty much been thrown out the window this year because you're not going to have any minor leagues, which unfortunately today were officially canceled. I'm sure you heard about that.
1: Yeah, and I'm not really surprised by it. I think a lot of people probably knew that was coming it it sucks that's really unfortunate but i think we we were kind of bracing for that
0: yeah i mean you look at other minor leagues around uh, the independent ball is going to try to play but you know there's not nearly as many people in independent ball and i heard that mlb might actually allow some people to go play independent ball i haven't really read the details on that but that's what i heard um and then you know you have a lot of other minor leagues that have been officially shut down or other smaller sports leagues that have been just completely shut down. Um, You know, for example, the American hockey league, they're not having the Calder cup playoffs this year. They didn't finish the season. That was completely canned. So, you know, baseball is going to be one of the big, only big active sports in North America to actually be doing something this week as camp starts and each team is going to be allowed up to three exhibition games. So it's not going to be your typical training. There's going to be scrimmages, workouts, team workouts. It's going to be all that stuff. So it's going to be hard to evaluate some of these guys that are on the fringe because you're not facing other teams on a daily basis. But with everything being so different, you just got to make a decision on some of this stuff. So yeah, I think uh, you're just going to have to pull the trigger and say, you know what? We're just going to put Dwayne Underwood. You know, He's been up and down through his minor league career. We're just going to put him on the roster. He's out of options. See what he can do. Uh, Casey Sadler, you just got a guy like him. He's out of options. So you don't have as much time to evaluate those guys in spring. Some guys are just going to make the roster.
1: Yeah, yeah. Like you said, this isn't really going to be about development for anyone. This this season is pretty much just going to be defined by you know rolling with the punches. Uh, I guess the the only slightly comforting thought is that every other team is in the same position. Yes. And it's 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 easy to to look at this and think, oh my God, the Cubs are screwed. But pretty much everyone else is going to go through the same thing. So.
0: Yeah, we're in the same boat, and it's all the same weird season, and. The openness of weirdness to happen is there for everybody. Everyone's playing in a small sample size, so to speak. You know, it's, it's a 60 game season, Mm -hmm. you know, it's small sample size. You see a lot of things happen in a small sample size. Great players play bad, bad players play good. Some breaks happen. Some unfortunate breaks happen in a small, short time. And you know, Every team is going to be susceptible to a little bit of that.
1: Hey, I mean, look at Daniel Descalso, I think still had a pretty good batting average through 60 games last year, didn't he? Watch Daniel Descalso be like
0: the batting title winner for the Yeah, Cubs.
1: yeah, what Daniel Descalso is going to hit like 400.
0: Yeah, yeah, really. And then Anthony Rizzo is going to hit like 231. So, here's here's a question. Mm-hmm. If somebody if somebody you know
1: hits Four hundred. Do you count that as as a batting average record? No. Can you can you no put that up against regular full seasons? No. What about home runs? Do you do you consider pace?
0: No. No, I agree with you. Good, good good man. Good man. This year, you can't hand out any awards or set any
1: records. I was I was hoping you would say that because I. You know, I, I know that there's some people out there who their their mindset is like, well, if somebody, if somebody hits 35 home runs in 60 games this year, they're the new home run king. They're the new single season home run champ. Like, get no. the hell out of here. No, they're not. No,
0: no. Look, I love the baseball awards and the stats as much as anybody. But 60 games, you just... You can't. It's just
1: yeah, no. So what? What do you think is going to be? Who who's the home run king this year, and what's that number going to be? I've been Boy, thinking it, about that
0: a lot. That's it's, a great it's hard question. Yeah, it's hard to figure out because the way balls are flying out of the park, the way pace can happen this year, who the heck knows? Yeah. I mean, we could see guys reach I don't know mid teens home runs. Uh, you could get guys hitting around 20 home runs. You can have a majority of guys only hitting like 10 or 11. Do you think we'll see, do you think we'll see
1: somebody hit 20 home runs? Well, I mean, that's, I mean, that's, it's, it's not, it's not totally out of the realm of possibility, but 20 home runs in 60 games would, would be roughly like 50 home runs in a full season, which is possible. Yeah, which yeah, why what, what I said that's that is possible, but fifty that that is a lot. I mean, that's that's like the 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 elite of the elite. I think so it's reasonable to look at low mid teens would would be really impressive. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, low mid teens. I I'm with you. I think somewhere around like fourteen or fifteen is probably
0: going to be the the winner. So, who do we think is the home run champ on the Cubs? My money would be on Kyle Schwarber. See, I, I guess it depends how they how they use Kyle Schwarber. I could I could as well. I could
1: see I could see an uptick for him if, if they use him more as a D.H. Uh, and and who knows if he's actually going to play every day. I would assume that that he would be one of the everyday guys. But... I think
0: Ross would want to get him there as much as possible.
1: Right. And I you know, but the, there's there's really no obvious answer here because I could see it being Schwarber. I could see it being Bryant. I could see it being Rizzo.
0: I think Baez would probably be the second choice for me.
1: Oh, yeah. I don't know how I'd forget to mention Baez, but, yeah, Baez, Baez is is obviously one of the, the
0: top candidates, too. I actually don't think Rizzo is going to put on a big power display. I think it's going to be a lot of dip-dunk singles and doubles down the line. That's fair. I mean,
1: and they've, they've got enough power across the board that they don't they don't necessarily need Rizzo to be a big power stick. And, honestly to be quite honest with you Rizzo does a good job uh, of filling in the gaps that the Cubs have of of lacking contact guys who yes. can put the ball in play when it's necessary yes. not always going for the home run which is which is a little bit of a shame because because you hate to sacrifice that home run potential that you know Rizzo has but Like I said, he's one of the few guys that you can count on uh, in in clutch situations with two strikes on him to put the ball in play and not just go for the long ball.
0: I've said it before. I've said this many times. If Rizzo wanted to kind of ditch the pesky plate approach, he could sell out and hit 40 home runs. I think so, too. I think so, too. That's
1: that's, that's a good point that I've seen numerous people make Over the last couple of years, and I think it's fair, when they talk about a slight decline in his power, I don't think that's necessarily regression as much as it is just a change in approach. Thank you.
0: I've been saying that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. It's all about the approach. Look, he is known for choking up on the bat with two strikes. When you choke up on the bat, you are sacrificing power right there. Yeah. Yeah, and that's 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 old fashioned baseball right there too. Yes, his goal is to just meet the bat with the ball and stay alive. You're not swinging for Sheffield Avenue right there. Yeah, he probably could do that, and if he did, he would probably hit forty plus he's, tanks. He's but good, his his OBP would go down, his average would go down, and his pitch. Per plate appearance would go down.
1: He'd be a good example to follow for a lot of other guys throughout the league. So many people, because it's propagated by the fans too, who their 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 sole opinion on the matter is just me like home run. Home run better than not home run. But it's it's a really smart approach to take, to to choke up and just put it in play when you need to. Okay, boomer. Take take your pills. I mean, it's people really try to make it. As simple as that, that a home run is better than not a home run.
0: Well, I'm with you that I think a professional approach is more needed, especially for a team like the Cubs. You need those types of guys. I mean, look, the fact that Rizzo can stand up there and just battle away, pitch count is so important these days, and to just kind of dig deep into a pitch count by having a great at-bat like Rizzo can have, that's valuable. So, do you think that teams
1: across the league adopt that approach more as a whole this year? Since you don't have the long haul of the season, you can't really afford to be as much a, a, of as a boom or bust team this year because I mean like the Washington Nationals are a, are, are a perfect example that yeah. you know if 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 it was the 60-game season last year, the Washington Nationals wouldn't have even made the playoffs. And then they they ended up going on to win the World Series, obviously. So do you think more teams across the league, you know, adopt that mentality of hey, we just need to be run producers. Put the ball in play as much as possible. Not just go for the for the home run uh, as much as possible. Like the league sort of
0: has been the last few years. I definitely think there's going to be changes in approaches, knowing that they have very little time and very little room for error, especially a team like the Cubs where you're in a pretty competitive division and that you're going to not be able to afford to hit long slumps like you did last year, yeah. because look, you can hit a slump for about a week or so over two months. That could change a lot.
1: Yeah. See, there's a flip side to that, too, though, that I think some people might uh, adhere to, which is only 60 games. So I'm not going to I'm not going to be getting tired towards the end of the season. I'm going to swing as hard as I can every single game because we're only playing 60.
0: Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of back and forth on what could happen in this season because it's going to be so weird. I think that you could argue that the hunger to win is going to be there more yeah. because it. when you have a small sample size, even teams on the fringe of contending or ones that are still trying to come up, they, they see this and say, look, this is a 60-game season. Even the worst teams get hot. At some point right. in a long season. So let's get hot. So we can maybe go on a run here. Even though we're not supposed to. We're not right. developing our minor leaguers anyway right now. We don't have a minor league season. We're probably not going to make any big blockbuster trades. So let's just try to win as best we can.
1: Yeah. And, and I think it'll... It'll just come down to personal preference too. I think even if a manager says, "Hey, this is what our our mentality is going to be this year," it's still just going to come down to what the player wants to do. Because if Mike Trout wants to swing for a home run, he's going to do it. And and if and if that's you know if that goes against what Joe Madden wanted him to do, what what's Madden going to do? Bench Mike Trout? Yeah, so right. it'll 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 be the same for all the other stars across the league. By and large, they're gonna their approach is going to be whatever they want it to be. You know, th- maybe they'll listen to the, what the manager wants, and maybe they won't. But at the end of the day, they're going to be able to do whatever they want, pretty much free of consequence. Uh, but and I think that also one of the allures uh, of of this this home run craze that we're seeing lately too uh, is just the, these guys chasing the big number. Uh, But now that there's only 60 games, there's there's not really anything flashy about being the home run king when you're finishing with like 14. So I I think that'll that'll be a factor, too.
0: Yeah, like I said, I don't think you're going to see anything go into the record books. Now, if there's a season and there's a champ, that's going to count. But, you know, you know, 10 years
1: from now, though, nobody's going to say, oh, man, remember in 2020 when Javi Baez hit 14 home runs.
0: Right. Right.
1: It's not going to be any of that.
0: Right. I mean, it's you look at who wins and that's about it. I mean, are you really going to hand out a gold glove winner after two months? Especially (laughs) if there's a lot of shuffling. I I think there will, but I don't know. That just seems hard to me, but either way you look at this regular season and you realize how different it is. You play like it's any season because every team's in the same boat and you're trying to win at the end of the day. Winning games and championships is what counts. Yeah, all those right. shiny awards are fun to watch, and you know, see who gets them and whatnot. But every player, their ultimate goal is to win a World Series. That's what matters. Yeah. So yeah, if you have to sacrifice some of the shiny little trophies and just go for the big ultimate prize, then I think that just counting the big ultimate prize is what really matters.
1: I I think so. I think for most players that's true, but I you know that we've seen it over the years uh, multiple times different players are motivated by different things and some guys really are motivated by their own personal accomplishments rather than, you know, the whole team. It's sad but you, there's there's been a lot of
0: players like that. Well, look at it this way, nobody Nobody is going to be setting records for strikeouts, home runs, innings pitched or anything like that. Mm-hmm. RBIs, like, none of that stuff. Everybody knows going into the season that those records are not attainable this year. So just go out and play the game, I guess. You would think. Yeah, you would think you would but think what, what, when, what ends up happening though, who knows? Yeah. Um, few last thoughts on the, 60-man roster or what's on the roster it's technically like a 50-man roster but the pitching like I mentioned before really the only guys on there that catch your attention that you thought oh maybe uh it's a little different for them now you look at some of the younger guys too or some of those fringe guys like Jarrell Cotton they got him is he gonna be part of it is Rex Brothers gonna be part of it but other than that you look at the pitching staff and you're like all right You know who the starters are going to be. I think it's fair to say Tyler Chatwood is the fifth starter right now. As of right now, yeah.
1: I, I would say that's safe to assume, yeah.
0: Now you look at the bullpen and you say, hey, if by some miracle, Craig Kimbrell returns to form, Jeremy Jeffress finds the mojo he had from 2018. Rowan Wick can continue what he did last year. Kyle Ryan can continue to be decent. Brad Wick can show some of the promise he showed last year in a very small sample size. All of a sudden, you're looking at a pretty dang good bullpen. But with right. such a small sample size coming, knowing what the back end is basically going to look like, I think the big question for me is: is the eighth inning guy going to be Rowan Wick or is it going to be Jeremy Jeffers? You know Craig Kimbrell is going to be your closer. And you know you're going to have depth pieces and Alec Mills and probably Dan Winkler. But, you know, the question is, who's going to show up? Because you know that it is essential for that bullpen to be good and not get off to a slow start. It has to be good. It has to be good. If you want to succeed. Like like you said, the potential
1: is definitely there for it to be uh, a more than adequate bullpen. That's for sure. But, but that's also the best case scenario too, which, you know, is highly unlikely that everything's going to go off without a hitch. Uh, but still in all, it is worth acknowledging that that potential is there that counts for something, I think.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Now, if you were to make the rotation right now, how would you structure it? One to five.
1: Ah, let's see here. So I, I would probably, I would probably have Kyle Hendricks as the one guy, uh, you Darvish two, John Lester three, Jose Quintana four, and and, uh, Tyler Chatwood five.
0: Okay, I think a lot of people would agree with you on that. Me personally, I would just switch Hendricks and Darvish. But yeah, they're they kind of went...
1: interchangeable, I think. Yeah.
0: yeah, but if they went the way that you just said, I'd have no complaints. I think John Lester and Jose Quintana are pretty much slated three, four. I don't see any of those guys moving up. Yeah, not at this point.
1: No, um, I I don't think so either.
0: Yeah. And, you know, we talked about the outfield. We talked last week about the DH, and we heard David Ross t- talk about it. A- again, it, no surprise, the big guys talked about are Kyle Schwarber and Steven Souza. And I'd rather see Kyle Schwarber play the field over Steven Souza. Steven Souza is coming off major knee injury. He lost uh, his 2019 season due to the surgery. He only played like 74 games the year before and he's got home run power. So if you can find a stroke again, he's a very valuable part of the lineup. But boy, if you have an opportunity to have his bat and not have to deal with defense and let Jason Hayward do his thing in right field, I think you're going to want to take advantage of that.
1: I completely agree.
0: Now, I guess my one last question to ask is this. Were there any guys that didn't make this list that you were surprised? Because I have a few that are I'm kind of surprised didn't make it.
1: Not really. not uh, Not really. I
0: guess I'm just curious to hear yours. So these guys aren't major contributors and aren't really, you know, huge names per se, but I'm, Kind of surprised that Hernan Perez and Zach Short didn't make it. I thought Hernan Perez would at least make it initially because he has the ability to play everywhere and he's an above-average glove. But I mean, he was like a non-roster invitee, I believe. He was either a non-roster invitee or he he was brought in on like a minor league deal. He wasn't signing a major league deal here. It wasn't anything big, obviously. Um, But I thought he had a decent shot at making this. If Daniel Descalso wasn't here, you'd probably see Hernan Perez make this initial roster. Um, And Zach Short, too, has been in the system for a little while, and he was on that initial 40-man roster. So I thought he'd be on this, but nevertheless, they are not. And uh, I'm glad to see, like I mentioned before, that Ian Miller is on this roster. Mm -hmm. And I'm glad to see some of those prospects um, on the South Bend alternate camp roster, like Marquez and Amaya. So, you know, overall, I got to say, looks pretty good. Looks pretty much what we expected.
1: Yeah. And, you know, there's there's a lot of time between now and opening day. So it's uh, obviously it's all subject
0: to change. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, I'm going to cut it off about there. Adam, I know you have places to be, people to see or something. I don't know. You got to be somewhere, according to you. So we'll cut it off there. Anyway, thank you as always for coming on, Adam. I want to thank everybody for listening. This is going to do it for our episode of Climbing the Ivy. Just a reminder, you can check out Cubby's Crib at cubbyscrib.com. You can also check out Cubby's Crib's social media pages on Twitter and Facebook. You can also check out this podcast on iTunes.com. Until next time, he's Adam. I'm Alex. Have a great night. We'll talk to you later.